If you enjoy this show, subscribe to youtube.com slash comic pop for even more deep dives into your favorite comics. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland, a mysterious, all-powerful character, but a crusader for law. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange. I'm Sal, and I'm joined today by Scott Snyder. Scott, thanks for being on the show today. It's great to see you, Sal. I'm glad to be able to do this again, dude. Same here, man. Thank you so much for reaching out and... Uh, you know, making this happen. Uh, I'm very excited. Normally, we uh, we drop back issues today, but I'm really excited because this is kind of like a fun experiment. Number one, we get to plug some cool shit from Scott Snyder. Number two, uh, we get to catch up. I think it's been like a, a quick minute since the last time you and I have yeah, actually yeah. talked. We usually go with Benny and do the whole kind of, yeah, like the, it's like the a blitz. Yeah. Like blitz. When, so it's good to actually get to to talk to you one on one. and Same here, man. And all of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome um so we got that going and also i want to see uh you know like if, if you're catching the show live right now by the way welcome to the show uh right after the show we're gonna drop back issues so it's gonna be like it's gonna be a non-stop stream of content for you folks out there right now like you just be prepared it's gonna be like saturday mornings grab your cereal hang out with me and scott and then keep going procrastinate it's only wednesday it's only you wednesday know? you're probably not at work probably. or school <laughs> we can catch up later skip school go behind exactly yeah, exactly. this is one of those days where I'm like, you know what? If you're skip it, yeah, you're fine. Yes. Play hooky. Right. Uh, we all deserve it. I exactly. Feel like. Yeah. After the after the gap year, which I'm calling 2020 from now on. Oh my god, dude! I I can't even. The baby. I took him to the playground yesterday for the first time in a long time, and yeah. Uh, and it just opened, and there was barely anybody there. But um, you know, and I'm masked up, I'm vaccinated, the whole thing. But the yeah. uh, we get there, and he's looking at these other kids, and it's like what are these strange species and they're like all his age you know what i mean he no totally no recognition where he's like no that da, da, no that and i'm like that's that's it's one of you it's one of your kind no that no that da, da. and i was like all right here we go this is the, the super antisocial, afraid of his own shadow great let's get into comics Maybe exactly like, yeah well then you're gonna great. love batman here you go kiddo that's awesome. Right? I mean, exactly. I'm, I'm I'm so glad he's out there and I'm so glad he's able to like, you know, be integrated because I can't even imagine what this thing has been like for children, uh, especially children who have like, you know, kids age 11 and up, you know, they're they're just they're just miserable. They're just yeah. playing video games and just being miserable. But like under that, it's all about physical interaction. I got yeah, I got the whole spectrum, man. I got the angry 14 year old. Right. Like he's our oldest. We had him when we were pretty young. He's like all about you know, can't see his friends, wants to play more video games because it's the only social interaction and mm -hmm. that stuff. But he he's great. He's a good kid. And then uh, our middle kid, who's nine, is the the whole like, you know, he's in school. His school is half the time there. And right. this whole thing is more like, you know, missing out on, on uh, not so much the social stuff, but you know, seeing his grandparents and, oh. and that kind of thing, like the whole, the whole kind of more um, birthday party stuff, all that. And then the, the Quinn, who's only one, he's going to be two um, next month. He's just like, his whole life's been in the pandemic. So, it's yeah. so cool. like, he's never not been quarantined in his right. life, until, you know, uh, his, his whole existence. So he's just like a moon man. Walking <laughs> I, the closest we came is funny because the mall, the mall here was like open for walking before it opens the stores and nobody, oh, cool. you know, yeah, no old people it used to be a lot of old people. That's when we had our 14 year old, he was born in February. And so I would take him in the Bjorn and walk there at like six in the morning. And it was like a space station, you know, just empty. Yeah. We were being friends with all the elderly people there and they got him a little onesie that was like mall rat. It was <laughs> Uh, but with Quinn, I take him there and he just runs up and down this empty thing. There's nobody there. No, no elderly people, anything. And it's just That's like, awesome. Yeah. It's so weird, man. It's just a otherworldly sci-fi future kind of strange, haunting weirdness. I, I have no idea who this generation, what they're going to be like. For nope. <laughs> yeah. Usually uh, there are telltale signs about like what you can, you can kind of telegraph like, Oh, if you're built on commercialism, like kids like us watching like Saturday morning, like I, I was, I was literally just recounting to a friend of mine yesterday about how uh, t in today's world, you can kind of like tailor make a childhood for your kids. You can kind of create this whole experience. But for us, it's like, commercials were a bit like i have some familiarity and fondness for some like mcdonald's commercials more than some family members and it's just yeah. like 
I, I, you could probably imagine what a generation of kids grown up on like an onslaught of commercialism would become. But this generation, I got no, I got no rudder. It's just, oh, it's just I know, the, right? the open, the open road, man. And, and awesome. even the, the nine-year-old was like, so this is like, everything could really fall apart. Kind of <laughs> oh bad. no. And you're like, yes, the, the, <laughs> like the veil has dropped. And yeah. like, he's like, well, I could just go to, do I need to go to college? I'm like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> well, there's just, I think, you know, the, the, the machinery, it's like going into, it made me the weirdest. It made me think of like, um, I took the kids to Disney World right before the pandemic, and uh, when we were going through, we went on the People Mover, and yes, it took us behind Space Mountain, and for some, they were cleaning it, and all the lights were on when we went through and whatever, and they were like horrified. This is what Space <laughs> Mountain looked like, how you know, and it was scary. It wasn't like it was too small. It was just like that's all it is. Is this? It's like how 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 you know nerve wracking the turns look and how narrow it is. My hand could get cut off, but yes. not that it could, but you know, what I mean? like, yeah, no, the whole thing, and, and like. That feels like life with them now, where it's like, you know, they've seen the lights on, in terms of yeah. how, how spooky everything can get, how quickly. <laughs> so, my hope, I mean, my hope is that what it really has done for a lot of them is, you know, kind of recalibrate their priorities in a good way, where we've spent so much more time with them, you know, than um, we would otherwise. And, yeah, they see how much it matters to have friends you're close with and, and family and, you know, how, wh what really matters um, in life is, is, uh, you know, is there in these, these rough times. So yeah, that's my hope, you know, or they'll just be complete monsters and we'll see. Right. <laughs> well, I'm excited to find out. It's going to be a brave new world out there. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Speaking of new worlds, you uh, have been hard at work inventing whole new uh realities worlds comics and uh of course when the last time we talked you had launched or at the very least you were re really excited about best jacket press and all yeah. the uh, titles that are coming out of there today if you're watching this today when you go to your comic book store you can pick up noctera number two because the first issue has come and gone second issue is here let's hype up noctera let's talk about that um sure you've yeah, uh, well it's super fun i mean I think I mentioned to this mentioned this to you last time, but you know, this is like my year away from DC where I'm still like employed by them and I'm going back to do a big project at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, so it's not like I'm um, gone, but uh, I just needed, I, I told them I want one year to do kind of um, set up my own, set up my own stuff and yeah. all these books that I've been working on secretly or privately for, the better part of three years, you know, so a good, like I told you, like nine, 10 books at different stages of development, like yeah. really get them to a place where they can come out consistently over the next two years. So we're going to do kind of a bigger expo um, in a few months where you get a sense of like, you know, all the books that are being teased online. I'm, I'm trying to be really good and quiet and not announce or point to anything, but it's not hard to tell who I'm working with on some of the books, at least when they're posting and, you know, and, and tagging yeah. your own comics and that. And I hope people are getting excited about it, but we'll, we'll really kind of pull the curtain back later. But with Noctera, the fun was, it was the first one. It was the first one out of the gate. And so yeah. what I wanted to do with it was bring a lot of the kind of bombast and uh, muscular kind of storytelling that I love doing with metal, death metal, Batman to, um, my creator own work where right. I used to kind of have like that, you know, flex those muscles in superhero world where the stories were personal always, but they were also widescreen and epic and yeah. creator own. It was a place to kind of push myself in darker directions. And with this, it's like everything in one place. It's like all of the kind of high uh, octane and, and adrenaline of like your Batman or your metal mixed with the darker sensibilities of witches or American vampire. And it's literally about a darkness that envelops the earth like tomorrow and um, no one knows why. And it changes every living thing uh, on the planet that stays in it for more than about 10 hours without a light uh, yep. into a monster called a shade. And what we start to learn in issue two and issue three and the whole story kind of takes place 13 years after this has happened and focuses on this woman Val Sundog, that's her call sign as a trucker, Riggs. Yep. Um, and she's she's a ferryman in this world, which is someone who drives people from outpost to outpost, goods from outpost to outpost. And uh, she and her brother. And so 
by issue two now, you're starting to see that she's being chased by this mercenary. She's picked up this mysterious kind of old guy and his granddaughter who claim um, to be going to a, a sanctuary, which are these rumored places that still have solar simulators and lamps. And, you know, they're supposed to be like these rich bunkers, but nobody believes they exist because no one's ever seen them. Right. And this older guy, Gus, and his granddaughter, Bailey, who, who hire her to drive them into this dangerous territory for a lot of money um to uh to get them to the sanctuary they're being chased you learn uh, in issue one and now in issue two it really ramps up by this guy called blacktop bill who's a mercenary and he's bonded to this like nanocarbide uh, carbon stuff so he's completely black like a silhouette which is right. knowing and you learn more about him you start to learn like who he was by issue three you start to learn who he was in the pre big pm they call it the big pm the darkness and yeah. every year is one more click on the big pm so one year in is 1 p.m two years in we're in 13 p.m now so uh the series again it's just like balls to the wall fun it's literally like i was talking to james tynan and he's like so basically it's like truckers versus monsters for serial killers and i was like yes that is kind of what it is <laughs> and it's like with cthulhu monsters coming i'm like yes that is, that is a good that is a good description but yeah. it was like, but it's got heart, you know. <laughs> right. Well, like, and that's the thing we've we've been talking about, like, in in Hollywood terms that no, you know, nobody ever uh, explains to you an, a, a premise without likening it to another premise. And in this particular case, it's a it's a James Cameron movie. Like, oh, not yeah. it's a James Cameron James movie. Cameron, it's, Steven Spielberg. Because it's got the heart. It's got like the. It's not just like oh let's see how messed up the world is and watch everybody die kind of situation. It's no. it's about character. It's got the fantastic, but it also has like this this kind of uniqueness about it. That yeah, uh, I mean the fun. Thanks, man. The fun. This, this is the, like you saying Saturday morning cartoons earlier. Like yeah, that's what I want with this book. Is a lot of the books I'm working on. I'm trying to kind of um, I'm trying to kind of upend your expectations about me as a writer and the teams that I'm working with. Some of them lean in, like you know, uh, I clearly like I'm working on something with Greg. That kind of a book like that kind of a book we want to embrace a lot of the stuff you expect from us and just do it even bigger that this is that kind of book where as the first book out of best jacket i didn't want to do something that would be like well that's not what i expect from him but i i'm really um excited by the the risks being taken yeah all that stuff is coming i mean and they're really the 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 majority of things i'm working on for best jacket are designed that way like there's a speculative like a sci-fi noir book and they're all with people either I've worked with and I'm close with or brand new people who I really trust to push me in new directions. And I, I really like as, as people. Yeah. Um, but the books are, you know, there's a historical fiction one about a barnstormer where there's like no monsters, no gore, there's gore, but there's no <laughs> monsters and no supernatural horror or anything. So with this, I wanted it instead of kind of subverting or dodging expectations to surprise you to actually like lean into that GI Joe movie transformers movie like shit we loved when we were kids that came out that made your head explode where you're like yes and why because <laughs> this is what you wanted but it was like better than you expected and like right. that's what this book is it's like it's got literally like you know blacktop bill is a serial killer bonded to nano things and so he's like a black silhouette so the shades ignore him and he's got awesome souped up killing machine trucks and cars behind him to come find you and nice. the yeah, it's like, you know, and the the human shades, by the way, you learn in issue three, for some reason, our biology changes vastly more than any other species on the planet of anything. Okay. So it's almost like the darkness has a plan for us. And we turn 15 feet tall. You'll see them in issue five. Tony just drew them. They're awesome. Sweet. Um, and they can communicate to each other in ways that we don't understand yet. So there's a language they speak to each other with these black balloons. So the whole world, I just pitched an image like um, our whole structure and you know, it's, it has 25 to 30 issues minimum, like planned. So wow. to get to the end of the whole thing. So it really excels. There's this whole mystery about the different terras, like the different kinds of light from different dimensions. So there's a whole mythology you start to learn about in issue two today. You get your first real kind of revelations about that. And it's built on like, it's built on science. And then the fun for me is always like trying to disguise and paper over like where that mine cart has like jumped the rails and suddenly got into crazy town yep so you know it's like you'll read it and be like oh I, this makes sense and then where did it stop making sense because it clearly <laughs> doesn't anymore but mm -hmm. you know that 
that's my job. So it, it has all of this research and, you know, exuberance and fun and just violence and all of it. I just love this book. So I'm very proud of it. Very proud of the team and to give you a sense of like how much, I mean, we enjoy working together. Like, you know, Tony and I are friends. Yeah. A bunch of years, you know, he was one of the first people to really be kind and, and welcoming to me as a creator. When I started on detective, he was the Batman guy at that time. And um, right. yeah, Morrison was on um, Batman Inc. So the fun was like, we were the guys here and he was, you know, doing Batman. It was awesome. I was just nobody on detective. <laughs> Grant was like up here doing all of this huge idea, huge world building stuff. Yeah. Um, so Tony really took me under his wing in a number of ways and was very kind to me about like how to manage the pressure and the stress and, you know, don't worry, Grant's, Grant's up here. So, you know, just do your thing. Like people, you know, are paying attention over there. So we've always tried to get together and work on something. And uh, it was about three years ago or so almost now I brought this up to him and we met at San Diego. And then my wife, her sister lives outside Chicago, not far from Chicago. And so when we flew out, to visit them a couple of times before the pandemic, Tony and I got together and built this whole thing. And Tomeo More, who's like, you know, superstar colorist. I called Tynan from Batman and was like, guess who we stole for, <laughs> but, you know, he's still doing, he's still doing Batman. And the funny thing is like, James is like, your book's all black. Like why does right. it all darkness? Like, why do you even need him? I need him. Don't say that. Anyway, the, yeah. uh, so He's good friends with Tony, 10 years, and Tony's wife. And, um, you know, we have kids the same age. We're very, we, we just, we we're, we're really love working together. Even Darren, the letterer, somebody who I became close with or, or really learned to um, admire back when we were doing Batman. And he came in, did a couple special issues with me that uh, really required some pretty acrobatic lettering that were very much about text and, 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 and articles and all this new stuff that was yeah. part of the story. So, and Will Dennis is, you know, he's under Karen Berger, was the, was um, part of the team that um, he greenlit American Vampire with Mark Doyle uh, under him. Yeah. So, I mean, this is like, we all go back, you know what I mean? We're mm -hmm. all we're all like deep, deep, uh, kind of deep partners on this one. So we just enjoy, you're, there's not going to be no implosion. It's not like there's going to be no, like, you know, I yeah. hate you, Egos. no, no, no. busting up. Yeah, no, no, whatever. We're, we're all cool. Exactly. So what you're saying, I think, uh, if we're going to continue the truck metaphor, is you're in it for the long haul. <laughs> we are. Yeah, well, Tony, I, I sent him yesterday this whole projection. You know, like I told you, I sent Image this whole story thing, and he, Tony obviously already has that. But yeah, I sent him this projection of, like, how we can even financially, like, make this work over the next three, four years as a book that we keep going as the primary thing that he's on. It's, you know, that Tomeo, obviously, as a colorist, can do multiple things. But and that and be like, here's, here's what, um, you know, here's what we can do if we get past trade one, pay trade two, right. here's where we can do interstitial issues, you know, so you have a break or a vacation, but we're, we're really in it. It is not, you know, unless something cataclysmic happens, like where, you know, there's a huge disruption in, in a way that, um, uh, with the whole market or the whole, you know, distribution or whatever. I mean, yeah. no reason why we won't keep going with this one. And, keep having keep having fun with it and the kickstarter really allowed us to have enough in the bank to make the first seven eight issues without you know without any worry about um needing to rely on royalties or any of that stuff and yeah you know, that, like the royalties support us so was that your kick that was your first kickstarter right yeah it was it was my first i don't know if it will be my last it was a, i loved doing it it was so much fun learning about all these incredible projects there but Doing it in a pandemic was a lot. There's still books going out um, in England because the UK shipping, the shipping in UK has just been a nightmare with all right. of the closed ports. So we're on a line to like get the books off of thing. And our guy uh, at um, uh, uh, OSN shipping calls it like twice a day just to be like, are we this this today or whatever? So there was a lot of 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 um, micromanaging. I think that made me feel like. I would do this again, but I would wait until it, wait until it, like, until the world settles a bit, you know? Yeah. But we're very proud of it and happy that it, it came out um, as well as it did and very grateful to everybody. So, yeah, it's an exciting project. I think uh, this, this, I've always been an admirer of uh, Tony Daniels' work. And I got to tell you, I think this is some of the best of his career, which is I'll like, you that, man. He's, he, he came out swinging. Like, he, I don't think it's any, um, 
there's anything off with saying that it's like unequivocally his best work and what's coming is better and better. I mean, he'll tell you that himself, you know, and I think one of the things that has been so fun about it is that we're both learning new things. Like that's, that's the kind of relationship that I love with an artist where, you know, like if you look at Batman number one and how Greg drew Bruce, it was awesome. Yeah. But it was so different than the way he draws by the end. I mean, you know, still recognizably Greg, but you, 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 it's like, you just see an evolution of like learning new things, learning new techniques, trying new things like, yeah, you know, all that. And, and I learned that alongside him in terms of how do I write for this person, try new things so that I'm pushing myself and Tony's that way too. So for example, he learned all of this stuff about digital inking from um, actually through with Clayton Henry, who did our variant for number two out today. Uh, uh, so that he can try new techniques along the way and like grow as an artist. And I think what do you see in issue three? He, he does some stuff traditionally, some stuff digitally. And it's so cool. Like the look. And um, I just, cool. I, I think it's like just his best work, you know, I really, I like hands down. So yeah. Really uh, we've uh, I, I, when you mentioned blacktop bill, it just, it occurred to me uh, how many of your characters have like these kind of like really fun, whimsical names. And I'm wondering as a writer, you know, it's fun to create a character, and especially when that character comes alive, the the, the high you get when when that happens is like it's it's infectious. But the, like, do you how quickly do you come up with your names, and how much fun do you have doing that? Because you're like, okay, I got to come up with a sweet ass name for this character. He does oh, like, I love he's, it. like I, love, I, I, I it's my one of the best parts is like coming having them come to life because of what they're called. So Skinner Sweet, yeah, it's one of my favorites. You know, Blacktop Bill, the Batman who laughs was James and I come up with together, and we we're like, it's so it's just strange moniker, but it just fits him. Uh, yeah, you know all of it. Uh, so no, I, I I love him, and one of the things that's so fun is like. I know there's like this kind of common wisdom that that villains should be sympathetic and, and have some degree of kind of relatability. And mm -hmm. I do love making some villains like that. You know, I, I, I do. I think um, a lot of the characters we made up in um, a lot of the uh, characters we made up in American Vampire have have uh, that kind of gray area, Skinner in particular, but a bunch. Um, but I think if the last year plus has taught us anything too, it's that like people can be real evil, you know, and there's like, right. there's sociopaths out there and there, I am fascinated with true evil. Like I've always been. And yeah. as something to almost uh, study. And I, I, I've always kind of like played around with the idea of, of, of people who find themselves evolved or find themselves um, a higher form of kind of humanity because they don't have this vestigial thing that's an a compass of you know ethical morality or so, yeah yeah morality why and the argument I made the argument like back in Black Mirror and it's like haunted all the stuff that I've done in different ways and explored in different ways but you know the um, dealer back then says he's like you know you find goodness in the animal kingdom all the time you know you other species from the great apes down display kindness at times for whatever reason. Yeah. What they don't display is sadism, you know, they don't <laughs> display evil. So isn't that what makes us divine or special or godly is our, you know, uh, our propensity for, for evil as opposed to good. Right. And that, so I love creating characters that also have new levels of like depravity in terms of, their view of humanity and what they're willing to do to get what they want. And Blacktop Bill is like pure that and, and openly that. And he's just a walking black hole, literally and figuratively in the book where I love writing him in, in issue three, which I just wrote the polish, the lettering too, you know, I'm, I'm issue wise. I'm, I'm through six, but in yeah. terms of the lettering just went out the door for three. Sweet. And um, there's a scene where he's talking to somebody and he's like, He's got them, he's harpooned them, and they've been harpooned on the top of his car, so they're like stuck there. And I'll, I'll give it, it's the it's it's the old man. <laughs> and he's like, the old man is like, please, you know, just don't do anything to my granddaughter, don't chase her, you know, just just I have whatever you want here. I'll give and he's like, No, no, no. He's like, I heard that you were, you know, you were on the committee that helped vote whether or not it would be me to undergo this process, and you voted against me because you thought I might enjoy this job a little bit too much, you know, <laughs> meaning like be this mercenary, this terrible killer on the roads. And he's like, um, so, and he, 
he's like, I'm not. And, and he, the uh, old man is like, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I please like whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Just don't go after, don't, you know, kill me, but don't kill my, my granddaughter. And Blacktop Bill is like, I'm not going to kill either of you. Like I'm going to leave you harpoon to the top of my car watch you turn into a shade and then I'm going to let make popcorn while you kill her and kill uh-huh. everybody else. And then he's like, no, don't do this. You know what I mean? And he leaves him there and he's like, here's to always enjoying your job a little bit too fucking much. <laughs> like, oh, I love this guy. He's so evil. You know, yeah. I don't think to be, I feel bad because I'm like, you know, reveling and like in, in cruelty, but sure. I, I am a big believer that like that, many villains out there are not sympathetic at all and deserve, you know, to be sort of um, explored as such, you know, right. like sociopathy and, and real darkness exists. And that doesn't mean that there's not something neurologically wrong that can be studied or corrected, all of it. But I don't think there's anything wrong, especially in fiction with creating, you know, characters that are, are that black of heart. Um, right. I like it. So by Batman who laughs him, James Jr., those sure. characters, you know, always allow me to, I think, really, um, I don't know, look through a darker prism at uh, human nature. So I, I like him a lot. He's yeah, a whole bunch of fun. I th- it, that must come from the uh, the fear of the dark. That kind of like I I know that um, whenever you talk about fear, you know, people talk about existential dread. They talk about you know the the fear of uh, you know monsters hiding in the closet versus like oh I've never been afraid of monsters under the bed because they're not real. You know what I'm afraid of is like being mugged or experiencing. You know? yeah. And but but there is that like that element of whatever anything can be behind the door. Anything can be in the basement. Anything can be in the woods. And yeah. that exactly. kind of like yeah, and that kind of fear is like that fear creates the like the shades that we fear the most. And uh, I, I I like that idea of you know that kind of informs this kind of this kind of horror that the best horror is the one we dream up, right? Yeah, uh, no, one hundred percent. I mean, it doesn't mean like the monster has to be sympathetic. It has to no. be a reflection of our a reflection of our fears about ourselves, our reflection of our fears about the world, of our future, whatever it is that keeps you up at night, you know, the monster in my mind should should be an extension of that thing in that yeah. way, whether or not that, that monster is, you know, purely evil or a weirdly relatable, scary, predatory version of, of your own fantasies and fears. But the dark, you know, for me, like the whole thing, I like I told you, I think, you know, I had a pretty acute fear of it as a kid. Yeah. And I think it really, it feeds anxiety. You know, I, I've always dealt with anxiety and depression in different levels. And I see it now in my nine-year-old, not my 14-year-old, but my nine-year-old really struggles at night. Um, he still like wakes up a bunch and he'll have these irrational fears. And in the dark, it's very hard to calm yourself or him or anything down because so much seems possible, you know? And and by morning, it's kind of like, oh, you know, I, I can deal with that. But at night, it just exacerbates, I think, the sense that anything anything you're worried about may not only be possible, but coming for you in, in a way. <laughs> yeah. It's just biological, you know? So the story is written on two levels, on a, from two personal levels. Like one is um, when it was conceived, which was, you know, it's very much about like what, what we're saying, where it's about a, you know, a darkness that... Um, all your is worse than your worst fear where it's like let's make a story where all your fears about the dark are true but magnified where it changes everything out there into something terrifying trees birds plants everything so the yeah. dark is just as scary as you always thought let's explore that and get through it right um together but then as it as the pandemic hit uh and came through it really made it even more acutely urgent and resonant to us as a story where you realize you're writing about a darkness that separates everyone and changes them into things that are unrecognizable to each other because of how they've kind of drifted apart into yeah. the silos. And so it took on this other urgency. And I think it's a story that we really love as parents, me and Tony, and also um, feel a deep connection to, you know, I think, uh, right now you can see it as a as a way of writing your anger and fear and hope about all kinds of things from the ways in which we're siloing from each other in terms of issues the ways in which we silo from each other culturally the ways in which we do it on a basic human level because of you know um the pandemic and all of it politically everything and so it there's there's nothing that happens during the day that i can't kind of like funnel into this book as a way of being like 
man, I'm pissed off about this or man, I'm worried about this or man. And then it it's translated into kind of, you know, or it goes into the DNA or the weird primordial soup of the book and becomes a monster that you're, you're fighting in some capacity or other. So yeah, it's, it is, it's a very, it's a book that we really, um, I feel very grateful to be able to to do right now for all those reasons too. Yeah. That's exciting. And, and, and it's great that there's, you know, it's always fun to pick up a book that is like a comfort food or it's like something kind of exciting because it's just a, like a popcorn spectacle or whatever. But there's always that, that, that extra element where, like I said, like it's you, you when you compare it to a Spielberg or, or a Cameron kind of flick, you know, it's like there is there there is an artist there who's trying to tell a story and is trying to say something about people as opposed to and also knows that like machine guns are cool. And it's oh, like, that's 100%. always the fun blend. It's like, that's my that was... shit, man. Is everything from Indiana Jones to, to, you know, to like Avengers Endgame to those are, they're smart, fun, uh, total full hearted embrace, uh, in, in, in embraces of like everything you love as kids, but made, right. made also mature and interesting and layered, but never shying away from the fun of it all. Yeah. Like, you know, so that's what this is to me. It's again, we're trying some different things that may or may not be for everybody, but I'm really excited about. But this one is like, you know, summer blockbuster, kind of like all of the joy of that stuff. Here you go. Yeah. Have I? I feel like because you've you've broken into a lot of different genres and or touched upon them through the genre of like either superhero comics or your independent work. Mm -hmm. um, are there any romance stories that you got? Yeah, well, the historical fiction one is kind of romancy. It's like, it's about a guy who's a barnstormer um, in the early 1900s. Uh, he comes back from World War One, and um, back then, because the planes became obsolete so fast, these biplanes, yeah, they um, the Jennies in particular, you could buy for pretty cheap and then fly around the country. And so there was this whole kind of um, wave or phenomenon of barnstorming where people would fly to a town where there probably wasn't even a lot of automobiles at that time uh and they'd be like i have a plane here's 50 for 50 cents i'll give you a ride over your town you know your, yeah. whole, your whole life to fly and and then they'd sleep under the wing of the plane uh and the plane still had like linen wings that were resin and it's a beautiful i love that moment that moment in history to me has always been really interesting because it's in between these two world wars America is it's kind of this calm before this big storm and there's this burst of ingenuity over here where you have an inventiveness where you have you know electric lighting going everywhere and and, and roads being built everywhere and the, you know everything from like the beginnings of the the telephone and the all the stuff that's like popping up everywhere and life is changing so fast and there's this hopefulness and yet this kind of storm cloud on the horizon and the story is is about this guy and he crashes into this property with thinking that it's like set up for him that he doesn't know where he's lost and he crashes into this property and um one of the it's about there's a uh, it's just about it's being set up for a wedding and uh he ruins all of it and then the next <laughs> morning he's the next morning he's like trying to slink out of there after being like beaten up by the brothers and the woman who was getting married is there and it's like take me with you and i want to leave right now and so it is a romance, but it's also an adventure story. He's like, I'm not taking you anywhere and whatever. She's like, take me or I'm yelling for my brothers. You know? <laughs> and so he and it becomes this adventure where the two of them bond and, um, and they do fall in love. So I guess it is a romance. Yeah. It's, I guess it's a romance, but it's got like, you know, her family's chasing them and they're rich. Well, sure. It's, it's got like killing and action and whatever, but yeah, it is. So I'm That's trying to fun. Yes, no monsters. There's so there's that, um, and then there's a, a super sci-fi one. Um, I've, I've I like made the mistake of I, I I probably told you all about it here and said who's on it and all that stuff. And now I'm trying to backpedal to yeah do more of a official release because you know Will the editor on all the books and a lot of my publishing partners, not the creators, but the people we're publishing through in different capacities from Image to other places are yeah. um, like, just wait. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, yeah, and I don't want to yeah. give anything away. Or Yeah, but one of them is like straight up science fiction noir in a world where like um, you can kind of skin the way you see things however you want um, because of new tech. So not with glasses, it's like your eye, literally you can you can just sort of, the superstructure is still there, but you can, you can like if Overlay I want everything is like porn setting or manga setting or 1930s black and white setting, it's that. And okay. 
and it's a murder mystery that takes place in this world. And so it's, it's really fun for an artist, obviously, is like a visual buffet. So just to give you a sense of the scope, there's like the historical stuff over here. There's the sci-fi stuff over here. There's right. horror, straight up horror. I've been teasing with Francesco for a while, Frankie Villa. That story is part of this. So there's a lot of, a lot of range, I hope. You know, that's the goal is to be the most exciting writer to myself at this point. I, I really deeply disagree with that quote that went around from somebody i don't even think they were i don't even know if they were in comics but <laughs> it was about like how you know your your competition is other creators and other writers and you, know, you have to remember that and you know your competition is yourself like obviously there's only so many jobs and those things if you're working for licensed stuff or whatever but i don't know if you're doing your job right i feel like you're not in competition with other writers because your style is your own you're saying something uniquely yours your approach is yours that's that was always my that was always my like my love of teaching came from that even when capullo would tease me and be like you're training your replacement i'm like not if i'm doing my job you know because i'm right. training them to be them do their voice and that means there's a total bifurcation or you know there's a there's a way in which they're not nothing like me then yeah so yeah so with this i'm that's my, the goal here is to, to be able to show you best jacket and be like, wow, they're doing so many different things, you know, yeah. kinds of projects and not to keep talking and forever. But one of the other things we're really interested in is um, I've thought a lot this year about just, you know, who you, who I want to be in comics and what's important to me doing best jacket. And some of it is just, you know, about the books and some of it is about trying new things creatively. And then, some of it has also been, you know, a commitment I tried to set up when I was at DC and also promoting um, the next wave of, of creators. And so I'm working on one element right now that hopefully we'll be able to announce um, if it all goes through okay uh, in the summer as well with the other stuff that will be about uh, showcasing or um, helping support uh, new talent with miniseries and that stuff alongside stuff I'm doing. So you know, all of it. It's, I want, I want it to be, show a range all across creatively in terms of the investment in the community so that some books might be digital. Some books might be digital first. Some books might be print. Some books might be just trade. Some books might be, you know, um, self-published all of it where it's like everything is part of a, a robust sense of commitment to comics as a whole, you know, yeah. as comics as a full industry. Right. And, and it's important, I think, because, you know, you, <clears throat> in this day and age, everybody always talks about diversification. You got to you got to diversify if you want to succeed. And uh, it looks like this is this is a, this is an endeavor that allows you to have to, to appeal to every Scott Snyder fan out there slash reach the widest possible audience. Because in this case, it's like if you're a big Scott Snyder fan you're going to just follow every best jacket press book, right? You just boom. every, everything that comes out, I get it. But then there's also the opportunity because of the diversity of genre, the diversity of creator and the diversity of, uh, of, of media, because you're hitting both digital and, and physical um, for to, to reach a potential audience that you've never been able to penetrate before yeah. to, to have people go like, I love this book and go, did you know that that's the guy who did this? And it's like, Oh shit, I didn't know that. Like I have no, like, and the the kind of power of that is, uh, you know, you, you can't understate it because there are so many prolific creators, yourself included, whose work is out there that you can touch upon it and you you don't necessarily know between the two works that it's the same guy or gal. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, my, you know, the goal eventually is to be able to branch out into other really other, um, yeah, other genres all across other medium. I mean, I'm fascinated by this moment in comics also, you know, I mean, even five years ago, it was so different. Like, yeah. And, you know, being, being really plugged into DC for so long, watching the seismic and tectonic changes that happen are happening in the superhero world from everything from like Marvel's distribution deal with random house to, yeah. um, you know, the sort of corporate upending of, of the structure at DC last year. Yeah. You see all of these kind of moves towards, um, some things that are really exciting and some things that are scary, but exciting too. Like, but there's a sense of purpose at both companies, I think right now of Marvel and DC about having a plurality of, of, of storytelling mechanisms in the right places. Whereas I think for the last, at least I'll speak to DC, like for the last number of years, there was confusion, I think about what to do with digital or, or how to, 
how to make sure that the direct market products were very much direct market and right. direct market in a way that took the right kinds of risks, pushed things forward um, progressively in terms of story and character and all of that. And yet at the same time had, you know, real comfort food and red meat for longtime fans in different ways. Yeah. They're very committed to that now with the new structure with Daniel Cherry and with Marie Javins and that. And I, that's exciting to me that, it feels like they're looking at the different modes of storytelling and distribution um, in, in, in a way that's really trying to determine what organically fits best where to make one big synergistic kind of organism. And that, as corporate as that sounds, that's a good approach because it allows digital to be like a testing ground for new characters, new talent, where there's lower risk because there's less investment. Less overhead, yeah. Less overhead. And then if something's successful, it gives retailers something that they already has a proven track record and has some buzz. So exactly. all of that stuff is happening, you know, and that's just superhero. I mean, the idea that I think there's, I really believe in Tyner and I were joking about this just the other day, like the world is kind of going through what a bunch of us comic geeks have gone through a couple times in superhero world of like, boom and like boom and then burnout where it's like in the eighties, all of this excitement around deconstructing superheroes that you saw with Watchmen and dark Knight returns and everything. And then kind of a re-energizing of superheroes after an image, you know, and create your own and then re-energizing of superheroes for a while in the two thousands. And then again, a kind of deconstruct with the boys and all this stuff coming out and, you know, with, with the image, big image boom that witches was a part of and yep. 10, 11, that, and then a big resurgence of superheroes and, you know, and then right now the cycle feels like we've just had so much saturation of superheroes because of the whole Marvel cycle, Zack Snyder stuff, everything that now you see, you see companies going smartly into smaller, like Winter Soldier, like WandaVision, like um, uh, Mandalorian, even for yeah. Star Wars, like they're digging into their properties in really targeted ways. And so the thing I'm trying to get at with this is that, um, it feels like one of those moments when there's intense interest from viewers, from readers in things that are more intimately their own, that aren't giant corporate tents because those things happened and were amazing, you know, yeah. Marvel stuff amazing now and Star Wars huge. Now it's time people are hungry the way we were for, and I think that's why in the nineties and stuff for creator owner things that are, are, are more ours and less corporate um, corporate brand. And that's why I think, the boys and Watchmen and those things are suddenly finding crazy success on television, you know? Yeah. Because, and so it drives people to create our own right now in a way that I think is, is showing with, you know, book after book, you know, hitting, I didn't think that we hit 150 plus thousand with Noctera or that Tynan, you know, all these books would hit hundred plus thousand, but you see it happening and you see this wave of interest and the rising of companies like Vault and Bad Idea and all yeah. It's exciting and it's it's totally scary. It's everyone's scared shitless. <laughs> like nobody knows. But I just try and point to the things that are also inspiring and sort of fascinating. And I love that this moment is so volatile, but ripe with possibility also in so many ways for us to get it right as we go forward, creating something as an industry that really addresses some systemic issues and you know, uh, at the same time kind of embraces what we could be going forward, even though that requires some difficult change. So I'm, I'm all about best jacket kind of mirroring that in different ways by at least being experimental by being progressive in terms of some of our choices um, and being invested, you know, in comics yeah. in too. So I don't have any like goals to like leave. I'm doing screenwriting stuff, but that's not my, my goal is never to leave and do that stuff. Right. To, to use comics as a stepping stone to get into the next the next level yeah i mean my agent always is mad at me because i i turn that shit down a lot like i'm not <laughs> i'm not i don't have a tremendous um interest in it like right doing it with charles for uh undiscovered country and i'm doing witches because um jock is they've hired jock to do the art with to to, to do the um well, they like the, the, all the storyboard storyboards yeah use his oh, art as a template so a it's a good idea television and because I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this, but I'm, I was able to get James James Tynan into the writer's room with me for a couple of the episodes. So nice. hopefully we'll be able to, hopefully it'll come out. Who knows? Maybe it'll never come out, but I have a lot of faith in it. And um, like that's, I'll do the screenwriting stuff if it's with my friend and I get to do it. Right. But you don't want to like move and get like the job and you know, no, I, no I'm working on this. So 24 is getting a revival. I'm coming in. Like, <laughs> no, you'll never see that. I'm not, I don't, 
I just, I love comics too much in terms of the, even for my own mental health. I mean, I don't, I don't like, I would never, I would like, I'll write a novel. You know, I like, I like that. I, I used to do that. And you I did that. Yeah. <laughs> but it never was as enjoyable to me as comics because of with both things, it's like the singularity and the isolation and all that stuff. Like the collaborative aspect of comics and the give and take and the kind of constant fluidity of it where you're making something that's always changing you know with someone else and it comes out the way you want and you know working in screenplay like you might get paid a good amount but you do it and then it's over it, like you you're gone million, yeah it's over and they change it a million times and exactly you have access to when it's being made and it's not i don't know making a comic like me making not terror tony and i make it with tomato and darren and will and then what we make comes out the way we want and that's it like there's just purity in that and beauty in that. And I don't know, there's very few medium that are like that. Yeah. I mean, like I'm sure it's the same for books, but books are not collaborative, you know, in that way is why I'm not, not, not enjoyed it as much as I enjoy comics, making something together with other people, sharing the life of that thing and then putting it out in the world the way you want. I can't think of a lot of other things that are like that without a huge corporate oversight, you know, it's not a writer's room. It's not that it's like us, making it and knowing the image or me with best jacket, however we do it, we'll be able to, you know, have it be for better or worse, what we just want it to be. Yeah. Hell, even in the, even in the, like the big two corporate structure, uh, it's still from what I understand, I mean, I've never been there, but like uh, from talking to people like you, it's like, it is this kind of like fraternity or collaborative experience where it's like these, <laughs> these like clandestine zoom meetings where it's like oh wouldn't it be cool if we did this it'll blow some yeah. blow, like this is gonna turn some heads uh and then you get the you get the pre you get the pages back and you see them and you get to go oh tweak this or i love that or you know they're gonna this is gonna blow their minds and picking you know it's a, there's there is this kind of like beautiful kind of like all the kids around the table like finger painting kind of experience that yeah. uh you just don't get I, I think the only thing i can get equated to is like independent filmmaking and even then it's like like the, 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 the expense and the yeah, you know the distributor and the whole thing and exactly yeah, I mean, no it, it really is a special it's a special thing and even court yeah even superheroes is like that too. i mean there's a lot i think one of the things that's really interesting to me now too is um people say well how can you be doing all these books create your own like when you know but what i realized when i started to go back to american vampire a year plus ago with it before the pandemic was like there's so much energy when you're doing superhero comics that's devoted to the different layers of calculation you have to do in there um, that I always enjoy. Like every aspect of that. I mean, there's certainly moments I was like, oh my God, I'm going to fucking murder somebody. <laughs> but I mean, there's, there's, I, there's no part of it that I really disliked. But here, like, let me give you an example of like the levels. Like yeah. you're doing let's say an event is a whole thing. I mean, an yes. event is like a whole separate beast. Mm-hmm. We're just doing Batman, right? When you're doing Batman, there's a level of first and foremost, making something you love with this character that has all of this legacy. Yep. So there's, there's a whole second, you know, it's not just like making something up. It's like, what villain am I using? How do I make this villain really my own and represent the things I want to say and talk about and explore and all that. So that takes more energy than I think the, at least it's a slower process than kind of being like, what am I making? You know what I yeah. mean? In my own mind. But then there's the layer of politics, like then internally. So it's like, how do I now get this approved? You know, then mm-hmm. once it's approved, then it's like, well, how do I now um, think about the whole line as the Batman line? How do I give people pieces they can work with? Da, 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 da. So yeah. the whole politics, which is a lot of energy of like, how do I pitch this to my editor, my editor to my boss? all that stuff and da, 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 da. then it goes down to the level of like fans right and one of the things is understanding where your character is in the trajectory of that character's perception right so like if i'm working on batman where was batman before i took it with grant and with um you know tony how do i do something that definitely announces itself as what it is and is in conversation with those things so it's like well, if Grant's doing big, I, my story is always grounded, but Grant's doing really big world mind-bending meta world stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start in a really grounded way and promote it that way and say, this is, it's it's a compliment to what over there, but you have this different thing here. And then similarly, if you're doing something that you know is really going to upset people, you know, because you love it, 
Um, but it's like metal. Metal was like upsetting to people when I did it. And Court of Owls was upsetting, you know, or in different ways because it had his brother. Yeah. You, have to, you have to, you're doing a calculation all the time, or at least I am in my head of how to, like, I, I do, I do talk to the fans in terms of not, not online with trolls or whatever, but <laughs> I talk to them in terms of, I do try and acknowledge what I think as a fan myself, their concerns are to get them on board, to take them where I want them to go. So I'll right. be like, yes, Commissioner Gordon is the stupidest idea ever as Batman. And he will say that line in the book. <laughs> so that then you say, oh, I get it. Scott kind of understands that I think this is dumb. Maybe I'll give it two more pages. And then I'll try and make those the best pages ever to like drag you in, you know, that I've yeah. done. So it's that calculation anyway, not to go down too deep a rabbit hole. So oh, sure. that's just like five levels of like things that you have to devote energy to. Whereas when you're doing your own stuff, it's kind of like, let's make it. You know what I mean? And like, right. like, and who knows? Ah, like, you know, no, yeah, no bad no ideas. Bad. What do you got? And it's like, whoa, like, yeah, no, that's, that's there's, there's, no, there's nothing no, like so that it's energy. So much faster. It's so much faster where I'm like, you know, just suddenly like, just, it's like driving on a super highway as opposed to the back roads where it's like, right. yeah, I could do an issue in a day and then look at it the next day and be like, I love this or I hate this or I'm going to change it, whatever. But it's just, it's pure, you know, and I, yeah. I really enjoy it a lot between American Vampire and my own stuff, all of it, Undiscovered Country, like, there's, I, I'm very, I, I'm not regretful that I didn't do it earlier, like, I'm so glad to have had all the time that I've had at DC, and I'm glad to go back and do more stuff, and eventually, hopefully, do stuff at Marvel, too, but the um, fun is having this time suddenly and just being able to move anywhere is just it's so weirdly freeing. It's yeah. just so weirdly liberating where it's like, I could write this today and there's no math to do in my head about <laughs> what editor might object to that or what um, would surprise fans in terms of an Easter egg that will show that, you know, there's just none of that. Just yeah, yeah, God. Yeah, I can't even imagine the algebra that goes into just just the elements that you just described of, oh no, I made like a reference for me and it became this speculation that is overwhelming the narrative. So now people are, you know, like like oh, the Mephisto yeah. WandaVision thing where it's like everyone's talking about X-Men instead of the show. And it's like, oh, all the time. I'm, I'm sure that was like really frustrating for the people involved because they're like, we're just trying to tell a story about like a robot and a chicken loving with each other. But like, I guess we could <laughs> talk about X-Men. Um, oh, totally. But, and imagine on an event. I mean, it's a whole, there's three more levels of like tie-ins and corporate. Yeah. I mean, because because the at least one quarter sometimes two Q they call it like Q one Q two or Q three Q four whatever mm -hmm. budget depends on the success of that thing and so right. it is like a whole secondary mechanism of like set of machines that go off that you have to do and look again I love it and I'm glad I hope to do it again someday in, in different ways but being away from it it's just giving me a, such a different perspective on on how much. Um, you know, how many levels of work you have to do when you're doing superhero stuff. And when I teach it again, if I teach, you know, superhero storytelling, I want to bring a lot of that in and be like, you don't have to listen to me about any of it. Because the truth is like, you can do it and not give a shit about any of that. Like you can be like, I don't care what, where the character, how the character is perceived, or right? where they are in their trajectory. I'm just doing my thing, putting it out. I want no social media, I want none. God bless you. Like <laughs> you should totally do that if that's how you feel comfortable. And I support that. But I would just say um, these are all things I would bring to somebody's attention because they're all tools and ways of trying to tell the story you want to tell, not compromising, not changing, but understanding constantly how to position that story in a way that will give it a better chance of being successful. doesn't right. mean changing anything in the story itself necessarily at all. It just means being aware of the context in which that story is coming out so that you can always kind of pivot and understand how to handle um, barriers or obstacles to it, you know, in that way. That's all. So I don't know. It's, it's very, I'm, I, there's not a corner of comics that doesn't interest me <laughs> some way or another. Yeah, no, that's, and that, that's, that's refreshing because the, it is, I, I find it such a fascinating industry. And I think because it's like so insulated and, and, you know, like it's small, I guess, in comparison to like other, you know, brackets of industries but it's also just like it's it's an interesting and like complicated beast that's like always fun to study because it's always it's always metamorphosizing it's always becoming something yeah. else it's um, I, I can't tell you like we i was just talking with josh williamson yesterday about like 
four i mean rebirth was only what less than five years ago you know yeah the whole like the whole line's different like it's just you can't it's like whole generations of creators have 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 changed their whole like you know everything like whole careers have come and changed and gone this way or that way and whatever like yeah so you know looking back on the i guess like 11 or years plus that i've been in the business now at this point or at DC that long, all of the changes. And, and it just seems like this period in particular, these last few years is moving so much faster. Like the changes are just like, there are a lot of changes always, but they were within a context of a kind of stability. Yeah. And now it's almost like that's fallen away. And instead it's like this acceleration of like changes that you thought might come in different ways. And they're all happening at once. And yep. It's super scary. And yeah. I totally understand like, you know, a lot of, a lot of hardship um, coming from a lot like everywhere, but I do think there's also really interesting opportunities um, for creative uh, risks and, and sort of explosions in places that you wouldn't expect. And also um, commercial ones, like, like success in places you, you wouldn't expect too. if, right. you know, if um, we do things right. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about a lot of it as much as yeah. I am. You know, it's scared. funny. It reminds me of your uh, of your son's existential dread of being like, you mean everything could fall apart at once? Like, I didn't realize. <clears throat> I yeah. thought there was some kind of structure, and it's like, yeah, no, the comic book industry thought that too. Like, no, everybody was like, I'd say, like the one thing I'd I'd say honestly is a button on all of that. You know, meandering, kind of talking with you because I, I could talk to you forever about like one thing, like right, the <laughs> friends, and like I feel like I could be like distribution, this or. The Green Lantern line, this, or Marvel, King and Black, whatever. That excites like, me. Like, that's like, no, yeah, let's do that. Like, you just, you, I'm like, oh. <laughs> what, what are we going to do if Diamonds, any of it? Like, are right. the books, the image boom, Geiger, all the, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. like I, I'm, every day I, I have to stop myself from like, you know, I have to just be like, work, work, work. Right. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the thing I'd say is the key right now in my, in my really, I, I, James was telling, we were talking about this the other day too. Like I talked to Tynan like every day. So that's yeah. why he's coming up. He's, you know, and it's weird to think how long we've been friends. Like he was my student when he was in college and I was like a 20 something adjunct teacher. <laughs> like they, they hired me. They were like, I guess we need someone to teach these comic things. And like, right. <laughs> I hadn't even like broken in yet. And um, so we've been friends like 15 years essentially um, before. I don't even know if I was married back then and whatever, but the, the whole, you know, but we were joking the other day and we were talking, he's like, we, the two of us have spent so much time over the years, understanding the math of the industry or trying to understand the math so that you can always be aware of what you're doing. For example, like, okay, well, where are indie books right now? Is this a bad time to release this book that I love, but is just not gonna, should I wait on it in about six months? Because there's so many books right now like this book or, superhero wise you know what like with all this stuff going on all the movies all this maybe we go quiet for a bit and then you know whatever like all that math you know just constantly talking it you know is it the right time to do metal okay well this is i don't care if it is or not i'm doing it and this is how we're gonna or no 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 death metal needs to be way different than that because of this and marvel's over here doing secret empire we don't want to do that like everything is like that for us and then the other day we're talking and i'm talking to him about you know like when I come back to DC and I'm doing X, Y, Z, like, and he's like, Scott, there's no math anymore. Like <laughs> math, there's like the only math, like he's like, you're trying to, he's like all those, all those, like, you know, all those like equations on the board, they're all broken. Like, yeah, no one knows anymore. It's not what's going to happen over here in this way. Oh, it's sure. Or this is happening or this creator is going here. It's like, it's just all in flux. And he was yeah. like, and it's true. The only thing you can count on as a, if you're a creator I really believe a sincerity at this moment. Like, yeah. you know, don't try to play the math. And when I say playing the math the way we were, it was never, it was an honest, transparent math. It's like how, understanding the context of what's happening in the industry, not so that you can take advantage of it or exploit it, right. but that you understand what pitfalls to avoid as you're going forward with things you love, you know, like maybe I shouldn't um, try and uh, bring back Stephanie Brown or Cascane right now because um the person in charge of blah 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 is going to resist that and we won't get a second chance but if we wait six months until they're supposed to move over to this department maybe we can do it then like all of that math yeah and now it's like 
you know, he's like, that math is just not there, both internally at DC, it's more creators are empowered different. I mean, uh, editors are have a different position, I think. Yeah. And outside in the world, like the way that the indie stuff is going, there's no sure things anymore. It's like nope. a book you think could do great at image could bomb a book that you think wouldn't suddenly is taking off because it, it found its own readership in an exciting way that people, they reached out on an intimate level. And the, the yeah. thing again is like sincerity, like, don't bullshit consumers about what it is you're you're trying to sell or what it is you're trying to do what you are if you don't like the thing don't sell it like that yeah. you know, just it's right now is like i just you live or die on the hill of like your own earnestness about what it is you're doing just tell them what it is and try and get them excited don't you know what i mean don't chase anything right now because it's it just so it's so volatile there's no there's no gaming it is what I'm saying. The way right. I think if someone was trying to a while ago, you could be like, Hmm, I, I see the trend of this or Hmm, fans really seem to want this. I'm going to jump on that boat. Like, you know, yeah. we never did that. And there was always the opposite of that, but it was, mm-hmm. there was always, you could see, you always saw examples of that or you knew what was going on now and then with some things like that. Now totally. it's more like, there just doesn't, it's just not, it's too paper thin, all of it. There's no, there's, you know, it's hollow. You can't step on the ice will break. You just can't. Yeah. So, so just make the thing you love. It's the most basic rule. It's like the first thing my first great teacher told me writing wise when I was in like high school, she was just like, you have to write the story that you would love to pick up today and, and find. It doesn't have to be the smartest. It can be anything, political memoir, action venture, but it has to be the one that you'd be most inspired to find that day. And that's it, you know, and, and that feels like the only compass in this crazy ocean that's happening now in comics as a creator is like, make the shit that you would love. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you're certainly doing that, man. I'm excited to see what else is coming out the pipe for you. Uh, I think that's a good transition. I think we can probably wrap up here. Otherwise, it's going to be another hour, and I don't want to take up more of your time. No, yeah, I, sh- I, 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 I would. I believe me, I'd happily do it. But I'm gonna, I'm on my last. I'm, I'm, I've been like, I'm polishing the last issue of American Vampire, and it's like breaking my heart. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't want to, yeah, because yeah, you want to get that right because that's you know. You yeah, well, it's gonna, I'm going to bring it back again with Rafa in different form uh, later on in different ways. When yeah. we we have a, another creator on thing that we're going to do at some point um, in the next, well, really right after this. But the um, we're going to come back to American Vampire. The, the issue is we need to finish this series, this version of it, so that we can kind of come back and do early adventures of Skinner Swede and we can do things that are about the present day instead of it being this march towards the present. So yeah. it'll be more sporadic, but it will live on. It's just finishing this cycle is like getting the two omnibuses done. Right, right. Uh, I just have to ask, what's the what's the page on your wall behind you? Oh, that's uh, it's Todd McFarlane. It's Spider-Man 319, see? Oh my God. Well, I know that page. Yeah. So it's um actually it's funny. It's like um and that's Jeff Lemire that he that's from when we did After Death. He yeah, After Death, and yeah. If you want to see more funny, like that's my parents bought me that owl thing when I started Court of Owls. <laughs> they were like, here's awesome. just to keep you, you know, that, in the right spirit. That looks like the owl thing for the statue in the basement. Right? In the exactly. Yeah, they got it for me back then. And then the um so the page, I was 13 and I went to a comic convention with my father and I had like 200 bucks saved up and uh, Todd McFarlane's line was like three hours long and we waited in it and um, I was like, it's my, it was my birthday and my dad was like, it's his 13th birthday today and Todd was like, how much you got? And he, he gave me that page, which was easily like double the price at yeah. least of what I had at that time, probably 10 times, who knows. And he was like, here you go. And he drew on the back a Spider-Man uh, head and with webbing wrote, happy birthday, Scott. And the thing, so that's on the back of that page. And I told him, I'm like, I'm never going to sell this page ever in my life, Mr. McFarlane. I'm going to have this page forever. And it made me feel like comics was this welcoming thing. And then um, the first time I met him again, when I was just starting Batman, we were on um, this, we were on the Howard Stern, like geek time together. Uh-huh. And I saw him and I like brought the page because I knew he was going to be there. Oh. And I was like, Mr. McFarlane, like, you know, I'm Scott. I'm on Batman with your friend, Greg Capullo. And guess what? Like you gave me this page when I was 13. And he's like, I gave you that page? For three months, you know? And I'm like, I was like yeah. you can't get that. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was really funny. He was kidding. But 
Yeah, so no, that's so I've kept it was the first page I ever bought, so that's why it's on my wall. I have one by you know Capullo uh, in my, in the other uh, thing over there with the cover of number three and nice. Sean Murphy. I have stuff with everyone. I've you know I have a couple from Jock and Jeff and Rafa and you know everybody. So. Yeah, yeah. No, that would I just I was like I was like okay, what is it? It's it's in the frame. It's you know you gotta ask. Yeah. I have one I'll show you next time from Jim Lee. That's uh. I have a couple. I have two from Jim Lee that he was kind enough to just give me um, from our Superman run. But one of them he gave my wife, which was awesome, where uh, it, he drew her in as because as a doctor, because she's a doctor. Uh, but she was a resident at the time because it was, you know, 10 years ago almost now. And uh, and she's talking to Lois Lane on the phone because Lois is like calling the hospital to check on a patient. And <laughs> my wife is the doctor. She's like, Aww. And she's like, well, Miss Lane, da da da, and, and it's my wife. It's in her her our bedroom. She loved it. It's like, you know, she's in her awesome. the, the whole thing. Yeah, Jim was very sweet about that. So is yeah. that Unchained? Yeah, it's not Unchained. Yeah, it's issue. I think it's like issue two from that. But he gave me this. I mean, I'll show it. It's in the other house. It's it, I'm yeah. in my studio. So my studio, I only that's the only piece of art I have in here because it's the, there's not a lot of space on the walls. It's right. All, it's all windows basically. You can see, but it's like. You know, yeah, nice windows and whatever. So, um, uh, that's over there. But he gave me this splash of Superman walking through the base that Wraith is in with Wraith behind him, and yep. all of the all of the amazing military gear behind him as Superman like walks. It's just the most beautiful splash ever. That's awesome. So yeah, he he was so kind. He just kept sending stuff, man. He was really, <laughs> he was really nice the whole way yeah. through. Well, there we go. We could geek out before we before we wrap up. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. Scott, thank you so much as always for being here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to your comic book store, Noctera 2, it's out. Grab yeah, number one. I forgot Death Metal. The, um, and yes. The Deluxe Edition, the hardcover uh, came out, which we did a great job with. And then um, next week's American Vampire. So right. excited about that too. So plenty, plenty to pick up and plenty more coming out. Uh, we'll see you guys next time and stay tuned for back issues. So long, everybody. Okay.